0: A Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Nat Kringoudis. And I'm Cecilia Ramsdale. Welcome to The Wellness Collective, a podcast where we invite you to be part of our wellness community to share, learn and live better.
1: Dr. Susan joins us for this episode of The Wellness Collective and we get to talk to her about what it actually means to be sexually woke. We talk about why your libido is not dead but possibly just asleep, what ageing actually means for our sexual health, different kinds of sex, the spiritual side of sex, why the brain is actually your biggest sex organ, optimal ageing and loads more. We hope you enjoy this next episode of The Wellness Collective.
0: Do you know how we have themes that keep coming along? We tend to have themes, yes. And we we don't mean to. No. Well, today we're going to talk about something that we've talked about couple of other times in different ways. It's back again. I have to laugh because the last time we talked about it, we were not prepared. (laughs) What we're talking about, though, of course, is... Of course. Sex. (laughs) Of course. Of course. (laughs) Well, if you've been playing along at home, you would know that the person that we were unprepared for was our 30-day orgasm challenge guest. And um, the thing is, though, talking about sex, it means that we can... I don't know. Have a healthier and better intimate life because we're thinking about it. I think for many of us, as women, it's just one of those things that lives over there. You know, mm. we weren't we weren't brought up when necessarily there's some time for it. Well, yeah, and it doesn't feel like a priority necessarily. Um, and then there's all that stuff about you know boys hitting their peak. Early women hitting their peak later on. Anyway, today's guest is going to discuss all of this kind of stuff with us. And I reckon you're going to feel happier, healthier and better at the end of it.
1: I just want to know about, you know, talking about this, how Hmm. does the 15-year-old Catholic girl
0: in you feel? I've gotten better at talking about this. I've got to say the first time we started talking about sex stuff, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to talk publicly about that, but hearing about it from other people, I'm, I'm
1: good when with I that. was
0: writing "Beautiful You," I mm. actually
1: had to sit my mum down and say, "Okay, now, <gasps> really, what I'm putting in here for teenagers to learn about their sexual and reproductive health." Probably going to hit a few nerves. Because
0: you didn't say any of this to me. Because you didn't do it. <laughs> you didn't prepare me at all.
1: Um, but it was really what I wanted the 15-year-old me to know. But anyway, mm-hmm. we can we can get right into this. We should ask our guest today to introduce herself.
2: Hi, I'm Susan Hardwick-Smith, and that is such a long name that I go by Dr. Susan, and uh, my Kiwi accent is going to come out because I'm actually a Kiwi. I was uh, born and raised in Auckland, and I know you all love Kiwis, and I've been living in Houston for quite a while, but um, this is the closest I can get to home for quite a while because we can't get there anymore with this COVID nonsense, so mm. I'm so excited to be here with kind of my people. You're almost, you're close. They're very
1: close. close. We, we sound the closest that you're going to find, we although be- I feel sorry for Kiwis because often when I'm in the US, people will be like, "Oh, accent, and they'll be able to always pick it, but I'm often in a group with another girl who is a Kiwi and they can never work out what she is. They're like, British? (laughs) It's
0: because there's only three million or something Kiwis. They're not spreading the love as far as they need to. (laughs) We're very special. Oh, absolutely. And for such a small country, they do pop up in places, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, there's a Kiwi. Now, Dr. Susan, you have written a book. It's called... Sexually woke. That's right, yes. What does the term sexually woke mean? I mean, (laughs) I've got to say, I've been a bit late to the party when it comes to being woke about things anyway. So, talk us through it.
2: Yeah, so this um, term actually came from one of my patients. I'm a gynecologist, Um, that's my day job. Uh, The author thing is kind of new. Uh, But I am uh, 53. You might not believe it if you can see me, but it's true. Um, I had an amazing experience personally uh, when I was hitting my mid-40s. And I don't mind sharing, and it's all in the book, that I had a a very long period of time where I was not sexually woke at all. I was actually sexually asleep. Um, I had my children and had a busy job and thought that it was very normal. And I'm a gynecologist. So I saw people all day who confirmed that this was uh, the normal state of affairs that um, your sex drive just goes away when you're 40 something. And that's just the way it is. Uh, But as a busy gynecologist, I would um, I'm ashamed to say I would frequently tell women that this was normal and we'd all kind of feel connected because I would tell them, well, I don't have a sex drive either. You know, in fact, if my husband's penis fell off, I'd be like, yay, that's (laughs) like one less thing I have to do. And we, we kind of, um, you guys know Brene Brown, she has this term common enemy intimacy. So I connected with my patients in that very unhealthy way by hating the same thing. Like we all hated having sex. But then something really amazing happened, um, which was that I started noticing that once in a while someone would come in with a really different approach to sex. So she'd be 45 to 60 and be telling me all about her amazing sex life. And I started wondering if I could collect her blood and like make it into a pill and sell it. <laughs> but instead I just decided to do a big study and found this small group of amazing women and then tried to find out what they had in common.
1: So was like, and hang on, one- you had FOMO and then you went and did a study.
2: <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like and Most it, people just sit there and have promo, <laughs> but you went
1: one at level extra and I, was like, right, what would my doctor I self do? I'm going to study I gonna- was
2: determined to have this myself. So it was actually selfishly motivated and then also a little bit altruistic because I wanted everybody else to have it too, but I really wanted it myself because I did not have it at all. Um, so one of the study participants actually referred to herself this way um, and she said, you know, she and her friend use this term uh, that they were sexually woke and I just thought that was so brilliant because at the time we were calling them the positive responders.
0: Oh and yeah,
2: no. Kind of sexually works it. so much better. I know. Wouldn't that be the worst name for a book? The Secrets <laughs> of Positive Responders. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <amazing. laughs> sound like
0: ambulance officers, not not women in that's their long. 40s, 50s and 60s yeah. who like having sex. Oh, that's funny. Right. That, is funny.
2: So, that was not a very sexy title but long story short, um, I was able to isolate a group of uh, 7%, which is a bit sad, but also very optimistic because it's not zero. So 7% of the women um, that we interviewed, over 1,000 women aged uh, 40 to 65, described that their sex life had become more vibrant and amazing than ever. And so what I was able to do with my amazing research team was uh, isolate what they had in common. And then that became the, um, the bones of this book. And then I was able to become part of that group as well. So,
0: can I ask you, I, is the one thing they have in common a toy boy?
2: Uh, <laughs> not the one, however. It helps. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it help. um, and I know you're sort of joking, but the, the one, um, and this is, a, I, I want to say this in all seriousness the, the most common way to enhance your sex life when you're over 40 is to get a new partner. And and that's just a fact, and I'm not suggesting that we need to get divorced. However, what I do notice, and you might notice this too, Nat, in your practice, is that I often see women who've completely lost interest in sex, and they think their below the waist is just dead. And then when they get into a new relationship with more connection and more, um, this is where we start getting into the spiritual step, but feeling really deeply and intimately connected, all of a sudden, it wakes up. So it's not dead. It's just taking a nap. And I don't care how old you are if you're 75, it's not dead, it's taking a nap and uh, sexually woke is a sort of the recipe for how to wake it up or her up. I think she's probably feminine. Got to be a
0: yeah. goddess.
1: I find that such an important thing to say because I would say most women would say in from their mid-40s that they don't have a libido anymore. Oh, my libido is gone. Really? That's right. So common. Wow. So common. Um, and... When you also ask the question, well, is it that you just don't feel like having sex or is it that once you're in the moment you're actually fine are two very different things and, again, even then if there's not, like you said, if there's not that, um, if that spark's gone or that, that, you know, connection's not what it was, um, that can feel very much like the same thing mm. and I think a lot of people yeah. get it wrong.
2: Yeah, that, and it's – I've – I experienced it as a real loss. Like there was so much grief around that loss of that part of myself. And I sort of stepped it in a box and didn't, um, experienced it as as grief, but, you know, looking back, you know, I did not want to have a dead sex life, but I sort of had accepted it. And so uh, on the other side of that coin, when that comes back, there is so much joy and life just becomes so much more alive and joyful. So um, similar, and I love listening to your podcast, by the way, because we're kind of doing similar things on the other side of the world. My work is really about uh, just living in our full aliveness and, By definition, if we cut off part of ourselves, whatever that is—you know, our sexual part, or any other part, our our creative part, or Mm -hmm. our artistic part, you name, you name it—we're not living in a full aliveness. So, just bringing that back is just so joyful. So, um, yeah, it doesn't. Not to say that you can't be joyful or fully alive and be asexual because I have met women who truly feel that's not important for them and I'm all for that. Um, however, if you want your sex life to be better and, you you know, you feel like something's missing and you have a, that grief about the loss of something that was there before, I just want to tell you that it is possible.
0: Can I ask you about the coincidence of menopause at that time and also yes. the fact that for many people, if they are in a relationship, They may have been in that relationship for many, many years. And so relationships evolve and change. So, you know, obviously if you're with someone that you met in your 20s or 30s, then your relationship with that person is different just by the nature of life. So, I mean, how much of that, those influences are part of it?
2: Oh, yeah. So menopause is such an amazing time. So, I have really reframed menopause in the book and in my life because I'm menopausal as something that is an incredible opportunity. You know, we finally reached this point where we have some wisdom. Um, I don't know about the rest of you, but I didn't have much when I was in my 20s. Uh, So, we've got this amazing wisdom and we've also got some time, perhaps, you know, the kids are getting older. Um, so, you know, we can frame all this in a very negative way and say, oh, I'm getting older. I'm not fertile anymore. My kids are leaving. Maybe my parents are getting sick and my job's ending. And, you know, all of these um, things that we perceive as negative. But we, uh, you know, we can also frame it in a completely different way, you know, to see menopause is this amazing field of opportunity where we might be able to apply our wisdom with a little bit more time and some um years put into our relationship that we can experiment with some stuff that we didn't before mm. but yes is it like when we were 20 no it's not and honestly who would want it to be um so i i can't there's way more than two kinds of sex for sure but i just loosely think about sex of uh, fertility as being something different than the sex of the years that are post fertility because you know biologically our brain is saying you can't get pregnant so you don't need to have sex anymore and that's And my experience, the origin of the loss of libido for a lot of us, because that biological part of our brain just says, oh, you know, you're done having babies, so what's the point in having sex?
0: Wow. I've never thought of that before. Your body goes, okay, we're done with that, potentially.
2: Yeah, but I, I think that's true. I mean, we're still animals, you know, at least part of our brain is, and then we've got this amazing prefrontal cortex that's relatively new, right? So we're kind of stuck between the animal part that's saying, all right, we're done, so no need. But our prefrontal cortex is able to connect and and um, you know experience life as uh, something much bigger. uh You know I can. I don't want to scare anyone, but I can get very spiritual about this stuff. That sex is actually, uh, especially in midlife, because we don't want to have babies anymore. It's an opportunity to really experience that connection with another person that really represents our oneness with everything. Wow. So. If- if you're getting kind of tingles, it's true that I believe that um, this sort of adult sex, the mature type of sex that's post-fertility is really a portal into understanding interconnectedness with everything. And that's where sex can become much more than just the act of sticking the penis in the vagina. It's like a, a real connection with another living being.
0: It's enlightenment. It is. Mm.
2: I mean, it can be a little taste of that just for, you know, a little while, you know, and so, um, you know, you can go as far with that as you want to, but it can, uh, you know, I met some women and I wasn't one at the time, but through talking to them, I had experienced sex as something really beautiful and spiritual and, um, you know, life enhancing, you know, so totally different than what I did in my 20s. I just wanted to, you know be hot and now (laughs) I can experience this delicious like all five senses experience and then even sort of get into the almost a meditative type experience.
1: Dr Susan with your um, patients and the women that you see obviously there's a physical side to things as well that as we age changes. And I think this is where we often throw it in the basket of, oh, well, it's just, like you said, it's just menopause. It's just low libido. I'm supposed to be dry now and wilt away like a dead flower.
0: (laughs) We're not going like Um, that. There's no dead flowers here. No way. Obviously,
1: as, as a doctor, you would recognize that there's no part of our life we should really feel like that, that we can do certain things at every stage, phase, age, whatever you want to call it to optimize our health. How are you educating women around that? Because obviously that then feeds into this feeling good. And if we feel good, we're probably going to find that we would be feeling more attractive and more like wanting to have sex.
2: Yeah, it's so true. So I think that um, whoever designed this uh, amazing thing we call humans, uh, we were supposed to die right around yes. now. <laughs> so this, this whole idea of living after 50 is a bit of a surprise to the system. So bits of us are dying, like our ovaries. And so we get vaginal dryness and um, other issues related to that that are anatomic, like you said, and men have it too, of course, with erectile dysfunction. (laughs) Sounds
0: so fun, doesn't it? I was just laughing at the fact that we should be dead.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, that was the original plan, I think, and then we kind of, you know, whisked around it because we have this great big brain. But so, so, you know, doctors like me can make everything below the waist all fantastic. You know, we can give you estrogen and we can do, um, you know, platelet-rich plasma injections, and we can do all kinds of things. But if your brain is not into it, you're not going to have any libido. And there's some amazing studies about giving testosterone to postmenopausal women that I thought was so uh, cool that really brought this to my attention, that uh, women who take testosterone do actually have a better libido than placebo, but they don't want to make love with their partner. They just masturbate more. So it doesn't, it makes you want. You you know you want you want to have an orgasm, but you still don't want to have sex with your husband because you're not connected. So it doesn't you know you've got there's not there's way more than two parts, but your brain is the biggest sex organ, and we can make everything work down here. But if you're not into it in your brain, that's not really going to help your you know it might make you friends with your vibrator, but it's not going to improve your relationship. So um, you know we've got to think of ourselves holistically you know and one of the things that um is a shame in uh american medicine for sure and i don't know much about australian medicine but we've become so super specialized that gynecologists just really uh, focus on that little bit of the body and and I don't see the patient as a whole person so um you know, we're much more than just a vagina. We have all these other bits too mm-hmm. yeah, that are connected. Um, but yes, you you do, you know, we do have to address that too because nobody wants to do anything that hurts. And, you know, if you've got dryness and it's painful, you know, of course you're going to withdraw from that. So we want to address the physical um, and then also address the, you know, the holistic, the, the mind is the biggest sex organ. So yeah, that's a super good question. We want to, have, I want to have sex till I'm, the day I go into the fire, you know, not not, (laughs) not because I don't have but I mean the crematorium, whatever they put you in the box. Can
0: I ask you, Dr. (laughs) Susan, so you touched (laughs) before on your own experience and that you were like, hang on, I want to be part of this 7%. What did you actually do to change it up? Did you get a toy boy?
2: Uh, Well, I, uh, so it's such a long story, but let me make it short. Um, and I'm not recommending this for everybody because there's a different path for each person, right? But my path was that I needed to move on from being married to the father of my children. And I did that. And during the interval that I was single, I found that I was extremely interested in sex for the first time in a long time, which was just so surprising. Um, that I, that led to all of this happening that, Oh my God, what's happening. And I, uh, there's feelings going on down there that I hadn't had in a long time. And so for many of us, it's a a wrong fit relationship or a relationship that has reached its end, you know, and everything's impermanent. uh, so you you can have a very great relationship that doesn't last till you die. And I, I think that the idea that we're going to marry the person that we stay with forever is a beautiful idea, but it's not, um, the reality for many of us and recognizing that and, uh, honoring ourselves enough to know uh, that it's time to move on, I think is the best thing we can often do. And so that was the case for me, uh, not it's certainly also possible to rejuvenate a relationship that's Needs a little bit of fire put back into it, and that was going narrowing. to be my
0: next question. But yes, carry yes. on with your own story. Yep.
2: In fact, most of the sexually woke group were in a, a, a primary relationship that was intact and had been through. Uh, I can tell you, none of them had been uh, without struggle, which I thought was super interesting. Uh, there wasn't a single couple or partnership in the group that I interviewed that had not been through some tragedy to get to where they were. So they weren't just born. It It was uh, through struggle and hardship and, you know, counseling and uh, self-awareness and some really hard work, um, loss and, you know, so all of these things that we judge as being bad or hard or difficult, you know, it's almost a cliche now to say that that leads to growth. But in this particular group, that was certainly the case, um, which I found very reassuring, Mm. you know you know, it doesn't, we're not born with this. It takes work and it takes struggle uh, to be able to get to the other side and say, you know, I did this, you know, Mm. and here we are, we're better and stronger than ever. Interesting.
1: Carry on with your story though. So you found yourself in a new relationship and that was part of what you found to, um, I guess, reignite some of these feelings that you didn't know you even had anymore, I guess.
2: Oh, I not only didn't know, I was like dead sure that they were gone. And I had been telling people for years and I wish I could go back and tell every patient (laughs) that that it was normal that their sex drive was gone. I'm sorry, I was wrong. And don't listen to what I said. So one of the things that's uh, very important, I think for people, women, because we're talking about women to know is that your doctor is a person too. Mm -hmm. And, You know, we don't know everything. You know, we do. We certainly don't, and especially when it comes to things about sex. In fact, most doctors, even gynecologists, cannot describe the anatomy of the clitoris, you know, the vast anatomy of the clitoris, which is much more than just the bit you can see. um, If you asked 100 gynecologists to even do a little diagram of that, they could not do it, and that's gynecologists. Did they just draw a little circle? Yes, they'd be. Oh, it's just that little (laughs) bit. (laughs) <laughs> well, hopefully they can tell you that. But so the thing is that, you know, if, if your so-called experts don't know, and we're not taught this uh, as women growing up, of course, at all, right? And certainly I wasn't. Um, how on earth are we supposed to be able to communicate that to a partner? And so um, there's just so, such a gap in education um, about our sexuality and about menopause in particular. So I just sort of, saw this huge hole in knowledge that I was experiencing myself. And then I realized that everybody else was too. And so tried to kind of put a little bit of something in that hole. And this book is a little something to try to fill that hole. And hopefully there'd be tons more to coming. This is just going to open the conversation about sex and the clitoris and relationships and menopause and how to live in our full aliveness until Uh, we're no longer living, you know, and that menopause isn't the end of anything. It's the beginning of a whole bunch of possibilities that um, are kind of just, it's like a menu that you can just pick from. It's amazing.
0: Thank you for saying that. I love it because I've I've mentioned this before. I had a doctor once say to me, and you touched (laughs) on this and and it reminded me, she said, uh, menopause is not natural. Um, It's not a natural state at all. Uh, and women would have died before it happened, so we don't. You know, there's no way of dealing with it. <laughs> I just remember thinking, oh, that's not that the helpful, you know, because <gasps> clearly a lot of women have lived beyond menopause, we'll so check, there's got to be some we'll way of check dealing you with it. Out to the sharks I at know, that point. Like,
2: oh, that's <laughs> you're not feeling a lot of hope. It's remind it makes me think about the old, you know, the old crone in the mm. you know the sort of you just sort of withered up, and you'd go sit out in a tent, and people would come and ask you for your wisdom, but you weren't. Sexy. That was just not at all. You get replaced with a younger woman, and the whole cliche that's in our culture in the West, where um you know the man still has a very active sex drive, and his wife won't have sex with him, and so he leaves her for a younger woman, and da da da. It's just so common that it's become almost, yeah, that's just acceptable.
0: You know what, though, Which men don't, don't age that well. If you think about like gorgeous, gorgeous <laughs> movie star men. I'm not going to name any because it's mean, but you you think about it. and But when they get to their 80s, it's obviously the drop in testosterone. They start to look like old women. <laughs> they, they don't look sexy. But for women, like you look at Helen Mirren and I think Meryl Streep is in her 70s now. These beautiful, amazing women who are in their 70s still and are glamorous and successful and still working in their craft. And they're extraordinary. But the men get all the glory. You're absolutely correct.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. But you know, it's changing because you mentioned this. There's a uh, you know some things coming out in the media now that are uh, glorifying this beautiful time of menopause. Little bits are coming out now uh, where women are being shown as being sexy when they're over 50 or even 60, like Meryl Streep, super sexy, and not. Uh, so I stopped using terms like anti-aging mm. because it's crazy. That's delusional. of course. You- can't be anti-aging. That's like being anti-breathing or something like that. <laughs> but optimal aging. So yes, we're aging and you know, guess what? We're gonna die. And that's all fine because we have to accept reality. But how to do that optimally so that we can feel our best as we get older and, and just love the parts of us that are getting older because I'm so much wiser and Smarter and happier now at fifty three than I was at twenty five. I mean, I just oh, can't even imagine how stupid I was at twenty five. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. I, isn't it? I can <laughs> agree
1: with that. I am really, actually, excited to go through the aging process. I have to say because I feel like we get to do it the right way, where we haven't been shown what that is really up until now. Having these discussions, and I think having the the importance of these conversations. So that then the generations to come, it's the same as, you know, what we t- I've tried to do with Beautiful You at the other end of the scale, talking about young women and their sexual health, because we just never got to talk about it. It was always a not okay thing to talk about. It is changing. I know it's changing. I'm yep. watching it change in schools and just even us having these conversations where once upon a time, you know, these things probably
0: would have got censored. Also, though, it's mindset. I mean, you're allowed now to not think like an old lady. You don't have to wear a, a house coat and daggy, you know, pants with elasticized waist <laughs> just because you turn 50. You know, you don't have to be like Slowly that. Changing. Yeah. Slowly
1: changing. slightly changing, but there's more conversations that need to be ha- had. You know, I, I really think that even when we come up against people who – Full disclosure might look at our podcast and say, "Oh, we can't support that because they talk about this, that, and the other." These mm. are the conversations they're probably referring to. Yeah, maybe more of this. I say because we said clitoris. Yeah, so,
2: and one thing that just comes to mind, I think, is really uh, important: is that I really don't want anyone to feel badly about themselves if they maybe they're listening to this and thinking, "Oh God, I'm 54 and I don't have a sex drive, and my you know, and I'm never going to be like that." and um, almost making them feel worse about themselves. And, you know, what I think is really important is to um, sort of blow open what we think sex is. Mm. Like when I was growing up, we were taught it was just one thing, you know, just that, you know, just that one thing is penis and vagina, that's it. And that if we're not able to do that anymore or if that's not pleasurable anymore, then it's a failure and I'm not good and that's that. Uh, But, you know, as we get older, sometimes vaginal intercourse isn't the favorite activity for either person. In fact, more than 60% of women don't prefer vaginal intercourse. and They don't achieve orgasm that way. And so you can give it up altogether. It's fine. I mean, what is sex? I've defined it as just uh, physical intimacy. And that can come in just hundreds of different ways. So it's not a failure if you or your partner are not able to have vaginal intercourse, maybe he has erectile dysfunction or he's had prostate cancer, or maybe you've had breast cancer or things that um, cannot, you know, safely be treated with estrogen and and the things that we might usually use, but there's all these other things you can do. So it's like not, it's like, yes. And um, so redefining sex and just making uh, it a much broader subject than just And of course, because honestly, that's just boring. And it's not as much fun as it was when I was in my 20s. But there's all this other stuff now that we can do. And so, you know, it's it's very optimistic. uh, But I don't want anyone to feel badly that she's like, oh, well, I don't, you know, maybe I've had breast cancer and he's had prostate cancer. We can't do that. Yes, and there's lots of other ways to be physically intimate that are just as amazing.
1: I'm sure you talk about all of this in your book. Where can our listeners access your information and find your book? And also, what's the name of your podcast?
2: Uh, mm. so, so, okay, that's a lot of questions. Sorry, so, I just wanted to get it all in there. <laughs> My brain is, is, is 53. I have to work through one thing at a time. So the book... <laughs> You're is a called, woman, as if. I know, I can multitask, I can. The book is called Sexually Woke. And it's on Amazon and it's uh, available for pre-sale. It's going to be available on September 29th, yay, which is super exciting. And it has an audio book that I made with my own voice. So you get to hear me talk for a long, long time. And um, my website is drsusan.com, which is drsusan.com. And that has all the fantastic information about all the other fun ways that you can connect with me. And yeah, I'd love to, be international again because I am a Kiwi and I miss that whole side of the world so <laughs> and yeah, the name of your
1: podcast what's the name of your podcast uh,
2: it's called being well with dr susan and you can access that through my website too awesome and I love to talk to people I uh you know shoot me an email I'll probably email you back and uh we'll just talk about this stuff because you in know if, in what Nat, what you're doing I think is amazing because I have two 15 year old girls
1: oh, thank and so you. we talk
2: about everything. It's so important. And my mum didn't tell me anything. Yeah. So I think we are the generation that will change this and it's really exciting. Yeah, I agree. Um,
1: I think it's so important, important to have these conversations. Thank yes. you so much for taking the time to chat with us today.
2: It's been delightful. Oh, yes. I was just going
1: to
0: quickly ask oh, you one more thing. Sorry. We can just, we can not let anyone know your answer to this. It's a secret. Shh, no one will hear. As if. <laughs> Male gynecologist.
1: I st- <laughs> yes, I don't get it. Um, one of my best friends is a male I know, gynecologist. I know,
2: but I still don't get it. I feel sad for the, the fact, look, yes. I don't get it. Well, yes. I, so I, I wondered about that myself and I thought, you know, it would be similar to if I went into urology mm. and just penises all day. And I, I don't think I would be the, I would try really hard, but I wouldn't ever know what it's like to have a penis. Mm. And so I would be missing that bit of the, equation I might learn everything there is to learn in a book but not having one it would be hard to really have that full awareness I think so I think that um you know my personal bias is that female gynecologists are more likely to get it same same as I probably couldn't get the penis fully because I don't have one um I often say you know you don't have to have cancer to be a good cancer specialist but it would probably help Mm. (laughs) yeah go through Going through menopause has helped me so much understand yeah. uh, menopausal medicine because mm. I didn't really I know think that about
1: is it. so true like in sense of even menopause when patients come to me for menopause I find it difficult because I can't sympathize I haven't gone through it and I but I've gone through all the other parts beforehand so I feel really confident in those so You'll get there. Oh yes, I know I'm <laughs> sure you <next> will. <laughs> that is for sure.
2: Everybody is going to have it. So Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Dr. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, yes.
2: Thank you for having
1: it's me. Been, it's a pleasure. Being awesome. So if good. you have liked this
0: episode of the mm-hmm. Wellness Collective,
1: please don't hesitate to leave us a review. Cecilia, we actually do have a review oh. on our most recent episode, good which times. is so nice. Go on. Um, well, but. They've gone code. They've used the name 108, but I think that's the episode, that's the episode. number. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for your episode 108. There you go. I had never really thought about the difficulties women face during their period and homelessness. I loved every, I love every podcast and the joy that you both share. Actually, yeah. I did leave her name, Sharon.
0: Right, thanks Sharon. Thanks
1: Sharon. Yep. So if you are feeling particularly motivated, or Mm -hmm. in fact, if you feel nothing else to do like the rest of the world, (laughs) um, don't hesitate to leave us a review, five stars, but you know, just write a little bit of what you loved about this episode or another episode. Yep. It kind of makes our day, Mm -hmm. doesn't it? Look at you grinning, grinny, grinny Cheshire cat. (laughs)
0: Look, Dr. Susan's writing notes. She's like, right, must get on there and put a really good (laughs) review for this episode.
2: A star next to your podcast. So I <laughs> Thank can, you. <laughs> awesome. I will not review myself. That is not allowed. But, uh, you can use a pseudonym.
0: Yeah, that's fine. We, we, we won't judge. All right, Nat, we better go. I know, right? Okay. Well, I'm sure uh, this episode has left you feeling happier, healthier, and better. Goodbye now. Bye. <laughs>